All right, here we go. Welcome to the show, Podcast World. I'm your host, Rasta Jeff. This is episode 793 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to give away a free pack of seeds. I've teamed up with our friends at SeedsHereNow.com to give away a free pack of Irie Genetic Seeds. Hang out. We'll talk more about that later in this episode. I do want to remind you that Irie Genetics will be at the Dude Groves Cup this year. That's right. We are participating in the Dude Groves Cup June 3rd in Fort Collins, Colorado. Make sure you check out DudeGroves.com or DGCCup.com for all of the information. Also, make sure you check out Irie Direct for a new restock and reduced pricing. I think that is all of the advertising and business to cover here at the start of the show. Let's jump into the email portion of today's podcast. This question came from the Grow Help tab. If you go to my website, iregenetics.com, there's a tab on the top right that says questions. If you click on that tab, we will ask you a few questions about your grow. What strain are you growing? Where are you growing it? Uh, is it indoors, outdoors? How are your temps and humidity? Would you feed the plants? Then we give you plenty of opportunity to explain the problem in your garden. I do invite you to send those questions to the Grow Help tab. This question came from our friend Brad in Canada. Big shout out to my friend Brad in Canada for the great question. It goes a lot like this. It says, hello, Rasta Jeff. If you read this on the podcast, you can call me Brad from Canada. What's up, dude? Nice to meet you. It says, I love the podcast. I've listened to every episode that's available on Spotify, and it has quickly become my favorite growing podcast. I do appreciate that you are listening on Spotify, but I do highly recommend that you check out the YouTube videos. Every single episode is available on YouTube. Well, let me say that over because not every single episode is on YouTube. YouTube has taken some down, but there are a lot more episodes available on YouTube than there are Spotify. There's probably 785 episodes on YouTube. Uh, Spotify only gives us the most 100 recent, I believe. So there's a lot more content on YouTube. Also, come check out the 4K video and see my smiling face. Let me keep going. I do appreciate that you're listening on Spotify, by the way. Let me say that. But I do invite you to check out the YouTube channel. Let me keep going. It said, I'm beco uh, becoming my favorite growing podcast. Your deep dives and out-of-the-box creative thinking, such as 18.6 for the last 10 days of flowering. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for noticing that. I do appreciate that. It says, or 18.6 for bigger, stronger, faster finishing seeds is truly one-of-a-kind information. You can only learn here. I appreciate you, dude. Uh, those are great compliments, and I get a lot of controversy, a lot of uh, feedback, a lot of uh, a lot of flack, I guess, for teaching people to run their plants on 18.6 at the end of flower. A lot of people say I'm crazy. A lot of people have sent negative feedback, but guess what? The only people that tell me I'm a lunatic, the only people that tell me it's a bad idea are people who haven't tried it. People that try to run their plants 18.6 for the last 10 to 14 days of the flowering phase, they always come back and they say, dude, my plants were better. They were beefier. They were chunkier. There was more to it, and they finished a little bit sooner. People that make seeds under the 18.6 schedule at the end, they always tell me they have great success with the seeds. So thank you for noticing the 18.6 idea. Thank you for trying that. I'm glad that worked out for you. It goes on. It says, anyhow, on today's podcast, you mentioned watching out for expired fertilizers and how they can negatively affect your grow. I was hoping you could go over how to properly dispose of your grow's waste products, such as bottles of fertilizer, runoff, pesticides, etc. Thanks again for all you do, Brad from Canada. This is a very great question. Uh, this is a very important question. This is something that I feel is very overlooked in the commercial and private production of cannabis. I am trained by the Colorado Department of Agriculture to understand pesticide handling, pesticide application. I understand mixing nutrients safely. I understand applying nutrients safely. However, in the state of Colorado, for the Marijuana Enforcement Division and the Colorado Department of uh, Agriculture and Public Health and Environment, which are two different entities, I kind of combined them, but 
there is technically no protocol for disposing of wastewater, excess nutrients, excess pesticides. Uh, there's no true protocol for that in a commercial cultivation facility. Um, my main concern is the pesticides. I really, really try when we are creating a batch of pesticides to apply, I try not to make too much. I'd rather have almost too little or just barely enough to coat the room to get the job done so I don't have to figure out what to do with the leftover pesticides. Honestly, we just spray. Just keep spraying until you run out because that's that's your best option. Apply it to the plants, apply it to the walls if you need to, hit the floor. I try not to waste it by pouring it into the water supply or into the ground. So pesticides... My main mission is to just mix up just enough and coat the rooms. After uh, several applications, I've been applying in several locations for so long that basically we know exactly how much to mix up per room. For that room, I need seven gallons. For that room, I'm just pointing at arbitrary rooms that exist in my head. I know that that one room takes about seven gallons. That other room only needs about three and a half gallons. So most of my method there is strategy and not mixing up too much to where I have any waste or leftovers, which uh, sometimes I nail it. Honestly, sometimes we don't. And then we do have to get creative with the disposal of those nutrients. The Department of Ag has taught us that uh, dilution is the solution to pollution. So if you've got to pour it somewhere, mix it heavily with regular water and dispose of it. That does not sound like the greatest idea, but that's what I was instructed by the Department of Ag was to pour it down the floor drain and dilute it with regular water. Now let's talk more about the nutrients, uh, waste nutrients. In a commercial grow, it would not be uncommon for me to mix up a 500-gallon reservoir of nutrients and then feed most of that to the plants. Then there is runoff. In most, most cases, you hear me preach about watering to runoff. Fortunately, uh, unfortunately, once again, there is not a protocol with the Colorado Department of Agriculture, the Department of Health, OSHA. Nobody's given us a true uh, standard operating procedure of how to dispose of the leftover nutrients. Luckily, I was going to say fortunately. So fortunately, at one of the facilities where I spent most of my time, the facility was out in what would be considered a big field in the middle of a desert area. So there's just a bunch of brush out there, a bunch of sagebrush, a bunch of cactus, a bunch of yucca, a bunch of dirt. And that's what was behind our facility. So most of the time, if we had excess water, we would pour that water into the dirt and water those plants, which was amazing because all of the vegetation behind our facility was lush and gigantic year round. Everywhere else it would turn brown, it would get dusty and crunchy. Uh, our vegetation behind our facility, around our facility was beautiful. It was huge. Also, uh, we got some giant rabbits and some giant rattlesnakes and a bunch of giant life because I think we were feeding the plants so well, there was a lot of food. Food was abundant. The animals were abundant, which made the rattlesnakes abundant, which made the birds abundant. There was a lot of shit happening in our area. And I think a lot of it was because of the nutrients, which we were dumping out there in that field and feeding all of those weeds, all of those plants. We were giving them high quality grow nutrients and boosting the shit out of them. So that was how we were disposing of the excess water, the nutrients, uh, the nutrients. Unfortunately, we were told that that should go down the floor drain. I did not agree with that, but I did not know what else to do. So unfortunately, there was not a strong protocol by any of the governing bodies that kind of oversee the production of cannabis. We were basically told that the standard operating procedure and the thing to do would be to pour it down the floor drain or to continue putting it in the backyard like I was doing. It never felt good putting a pesticide in a floor drain, but that's what we were instructed to do. And sometimes I did not have any other option. So just pour it down the floor drain and pour a bunch of gallons of water on top of it. That way we kind of dilute that a little bit. I wish there was a better answer to this, honestly, because it doesn't feel good telling you that uh, the protocol was to pour shit in the backyard and pour it down a drain. But in Colorado, there is no rule. We were never fined. We were never told to do any differently. We were never given any guidance. And when I said that's what we were doing, the Department of Ag basically turned their head and said, I guess that's what you got to do. So I agree with you. That's not the best way to do it. 
but that's the option that I was given. So that's basically how we got rid of the runoff fertilizers and the pesticides. You did ask about a couple of other products, uh, bottles of fertilizer. We would basically use the fertilizer in a commercial grow. We would use that to the end. There would never be anything left. Nothing would expire in a commercial grow. That stuff uh, comes and goes very quickly. If you are disposing of a pesticide or a nutrient bottle, uh, the proper protocol is to poke a bunch of holes in that bottle near the bottom around the sides so that nobody can reuse that container and get themselves sick. A pesticide bottle, a nutrient bottle, it's got to be punctured several times. And then those punctured bottles would go into a dumpster that had to be locked. Also into that dumpster would go all of our root balls, a lot of our organic waste, a lot of the sticks, the stems, a lot of the trim that we didn't use to send out to get extracted. Any waste would go into a big dumpster, uh, old pots, old soil, just about all of the waste would get put into one dumpster that was required to be locked. And only uh, the facility manager, which was myself most of the time, and the person that picked up the trash had a key to that dumpster. You would not believe how many times people cut the lock off of our dumpster, tried to break into our dumpster, destroyed our dumpster to get what they thought was product, but it was actually nothing but sticks and dirt and waste. When you throw something away, if there is plant material in your waste and you throw that away in Colorado, it's got to be destroyed. It's either got to be mixed with bleach or they like it if you mix it with kitty litter. A lot of the times what I would do is I, when we harvested, I would save a couple of pots behind three gallon pots filled with cocoa. So that way, when it came time to blend in the waste from all the plants, I could dump some of that cocoa on top of it, put some plants in there, dump cocoa on top of it, put plants in there. Basically, they wanted you to make a lasagna of plant waste and then something to destroy the plant waste and then more waste so that when the people do come in and break into the trash cans, if they do get something, they don't really get a product they can make any profit or any consumption off of. They were trying they were trying, but some of the MED rules were completely ridiculous. Since I'm thinking about it, I've got footage. I probably don't have the footage on my phone anymore. I worked for a facility that was kind of tucked back off of the main street. Um, any traffic that went by there was just weirdo traffic looking for problems. A lot of people would come by on bikes and shine flashlights in our grow facility. We had to build a 12-foot fence around the facility and keep the trash can inside the 12-foot fence and still lock the trash can because people are crazy. Anyway, one night, a homeless person climbed over. I assumed they were homeless. I'd seen them around there. I'd never, they, they looked very, um, maybe I'm prejudging, but this person that did not look like they'd had a shower in a while, that part was quite obvious. They climbed our fence. They tried to get into the trash can. They couldn't get into it. So they shimmied up one of the rain gutters and got to the roof of the building, jumped off the roof, WWF style and shoulder bombed their way through the top of our dumpster. The metal lid of the dumpster caved in, uh, a bunch of dust came flying up. You saw them fall through it. They looked disheveled for a couple of seconds. They got their shit together. They looked like they just won the freaking lottery. But then when they threw those bags over the fence, they left them there because they realized it wasn't nothing but sticks and fucking kitty litter. So this person climbed up our rain gutter, got all the way to the roof of the building and WWE or WWF style jumped off the fucking building through our dumpster to attempt to steal our trash. That's how ridiculous it was. So everything that went into that dumpster had to be destroyed, punctured, uh, mixed with kitty litter, ground to a pulp. And then the dumpster had to be locked. It was behind two gates in some facilities. The trash was a very, uh, it was a huge target. I've never had my trash targeted like that before. So let me recap and make sure I've answered all of the aspects of this question. Uh, dispose of the grow waste products. Uh, I considered grow waste products to be plants, pots, uh, stuff like that. That goes into the locked dumpster. Uh, bottles of fertilizer. We use all of the liquid inside of those bottles. Everything gets used in a commercial facility. When you're mixing up 500 gallons of nutrients, uh, if you've just got a little bit extra, just pour it in. It'll be fine. It won't make a difference for one feeding. If it's a little bit, guys, don't go get crazy. 
But so the bottles get punctured, runoff. Again, we did not have any guidance or expertise on what to do with the runoff. I was pouring it in the field and feeding the vegetation. The pesticides, we do our best, our absolute best to mix up enough for this application so that none is wasted. And then if you need to overspray, go spray some foliage outside, something like that if you really have to. So I think that wraps up that question. I do want to send another big thank you shout out to our friend Brad from Canada. Congratulations to Brad from Canada, my dude. You have won yourself a free pack of Irie Genetic Seeds. This free seed giveaway is sponsored by our friends at SeedsHereNow.com. Make sure you check out SeedsHereNow.com for regular, feminized, auto flower, and photo period seeds. They carry all of your favorite breeders. Of course, they do have Irie Genetics in stock. But congratulations, Brad from Canada. You have won a free pack of Irie Genetic Seeds. Most of the time, I do live it limit the seed giveaways to the states, but I liked your question quite a bit. So I will eat the cost and ship that right up there to Canada for you. Uh, Brad, please do send me your shipping address so I can get you a free pack of seeds. I've said before that if I read your question here on the podcast, you will win a free pack of seeds. All right, let's keep moving. I've got another great question in front of me. This one came from our friend Daniel. Big shout out to Daniel. It says, what kind of grow question do you have? And Daniel said, how viable is a breeding project that is solely based on using pollen from reversed females? That's a really good question. It says, I want to get into breeding, but my current circumstances greatly favor growing femme autoflowers over photos. I'm assuming I'm able to readily reverse them. Are there significant downsides compared to using males? This is a really good question. Um, some of the info that I'm going to give you, this next piece of info comes from my friend, Mr. Soul. Big shout out to Mr. Soul at Brothers Grimm Seed Company. Go support him. Really good dude. Uh, very, very smart guy. We, I agree with 99% of what he says when it comes to talking about cannabis and almost anything else, which is very rare for me to agree with somebody that much. 99% is huge agreement. So big fist bump to my buddy, Mr. Soul. Mr. Soul put it this way one time. The only difference between regular and feminized seeds, the main difference, the difference is the pollen. The female pollen is what is creating female seeds on your plant. Basically imagine this is not how it works, but you can imagine it this way. Imagine if I were able to create a filter and put a filter in the air and that filter only removed male pollen from the air at new. It was like female pollen, you can go ahead and party. You could get through. Uh, it's ladies night, but male pollen, no way, bro. You're staying outside. So imagine I've got this filter and then I make my plant produce pollen. All we are doing is eliminating the male pollen from the equation. And that female pollen is hitting the plants and making 100% female seeds. My friend, Mr. Soul put it that way. He gave me the analogy of using the filter. That is very much what it's like when breeding with a reversed female. The only difference that you're going the, okay, there may be another difference I'll get into, but the only difference that you're going to notice is that it's going to be all female seeds because there is no male pollen in the mix. That's why we are reversing the female plant because we're making female pollen. That's where the magic happens. The female pollen is the key to all that feminization. So it's all female pollen. Now, I said, there's one more thing you may notice. The thing you're going to notice is more uniform phenotypes and less transgressive segregation. A lot of times when we work with regular seeds, when we make further filial generations, we will see expressions of the grandparents and the, the grandma and the grandpa and the great grandma and the great grandpa on both sides. So you've got the options of more things popping up in your mix if you're using the regular seeds. Using fem seeds, I think we kind of cut some of that out. We get less phenotypical, phenotypical expression, less variation, and more uniformity in my experience with the plants that I have selected. 
If you select different plants and go a different route in your breeding, uh, that could vary just because of the plants that were chosen. I feel like over time, I've developed a very discerning eye, a very keen eye for selecting breeding pairs. And this far in my breeding game, I really do see very nice phenotypes coming from the fems and less variation than what I see coming from the regular seeds. I make plenty of both. I make a lot of feminized seeds and I make a lot of regular seeds. I grow a lot of them out. My test team grows a lot of them out. My testing is 100% transparent. We do it on Discord. Everybody can see it. Then a lot of people grow out the seeds that make it to market. I'm seeing less variation in the feminized seeds than I am in the regular seeds. So that's possibly an advantage. I like the variation that is coming from the regular seeds. That's why I like doing reg seeds. I like seeing uh, how the male expresses, how the female expresses, what the difference is. If I take this male and pollinate four different females, how does that express differently? It will be clear what that reversed plant is contributing to your breeding project. If you pollinate multiple females with that plant and see what the differences are, you'll be able to see, oh, when I pollinated the strawberry plant with this blueberry plant, we got strawberry blueberry. But when I pollinated the orange plant with the blueberry, the orange really dominated. But if I pollinated Durban poison with the blueberry, the Durban poison really dominated. You'll get to see what traits and what dominates in what mix by breeding to other plants, but you won't see as much variation as you would if you were running the regular seeds. In my experience, in that, in that test right there, I do see more variation. I see more grandparents represented with the regular seeds. So let me recap the question, make sure I'm giving you a solid answer. Um, how viable is breeding that solely uses pollen from reversed females? Uh, Lemon Jeffrey is one of my most uh, popular, best-selling strains. Orangegasm is definitely, Orangegasm is my number one selling seed line that I've ever made. Those two crosses are 100% feminized and they are very viable, very potent, very reliable seeds. Uh, Lemon Jeffrey and Orangegasm are probably, those are my two most popular strains I've ever made and they're fems made from reversed female pollen. So you can start a seed company that will be very successful with fem seeds if you do it properly, if you take the proper time for selection, uh, if you make sure, test, 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 test. I can't say that enough. Test, a lot of testing. Test every female that you plan on putting in your breeding project for all of the problems that a female plant could represent. Let's find out, first of all, does it handle heat stress? Does it handle cold stress? Does it handle overfeed? Does it handle underfeed? Does it handle uh, too much heat? Does it handle too much cold? Does it handle uh, high humidity, low humidity? Does it handle drought? Does it handle overwater? I may have repeated a couple of those things, but does it handle all of that shit? Do these plants that you intend to breed with, do they show any type of intersex traits when you beat them up? Can they handle light interruptions? Can they handle darkness interruptions? Can they handle problems? Are they bug resistant? Are they pathogen resistant? Are they friendly to the grower? That is something that I really like to think about when I'm making seeds that will go to other people. Are these seeds going to be a complete pain in the ass or will everyday consumers be able to complete the grow with this product? Think about those traits when you are making seeds. But the short answer is that your idea for a breeding project of feminized only seeds could and will be very successful if the selection is done properly. If you don't select plants that have been tested, tried and true, that's when you can run into problems. If you put one plant into this breeding program that is intersex, all of the offspring from that plant do hold the potential to be intersex plants. So let's test the plants. Let's remove any intersex plants from the gene pool before we do any breeding. 
intersex is the number one complaint from a consumer when it comes to buying seeds. If those plants show nanners in week three, people are going to be pissed. If it shows nanners in week six, they're going to be extra pissed. So let's not release anything or breed to anything that has the opportunity or shows the potential to display intersex characteristics. But overall, if you do the selection properly, if you pay attention, if you stress test all of your plants before you breed, pick your plants now. Pick all of the plants you want to breed. Get a mother plant of all of those plants. Have two or three clones of each of those plants. Let's put all the potential breeders in a room. Let's put the light schedule on 12-12 and leave it like that for a few days. But then in a couple of days, I'm going to fuck it all up and put it back on 18-6. Then a few days later from that, I'm going to overwater. Then a couple of days after that, we'll put it back on 12-12 and wait two weeks and see what happens. If any of those plants freak out, guess what? I'm not going to breed with them. The plants that continue through and flower and finish properly, those are my breeding candidates. So run some testing, verify that you've got good quality breeding candidates. And then once you verify that, that's when you do your pollen chuck. And now that is only the first step. Once you've done the pollen chuck and the next step is to grow out the seeds that you have created. Grow populations as large of a population as you can from each batch and take a lot of notes. Be very observant. Take ridiculous notes. If your plant does something one weird thing, write it down. If it does some very small thing, write it down. If it does something drastic, definitely write it down. But grow out as many of those as you can. See if the seeds you have produced, like we started with, are they intersex? Did you meet your goal? Did you have a breeding goal? Are the plants that you have created better than both of the parent plants? If they're not quality seeds, I don't recommend sharing them, selling them, or giving them out. Maybe use them for your own, uh, or maybe turn them into some sort of oil, or put them into the compost bin. You know if you hit your goal or not. You know if they're quality. You know if this is something that you would be proud to share with the community, or if it's something you'd rather flush and act like never happened. Don't be ashamed. It's all about selection. If you did not select the proper strains, select again, get it going again. Now, you did mention that you want to use auto flowers, so you're going to have to do this with auto flowers. You're going to have to find an auto flower plant that looks like a good breeding candidate. You're going to have to reverse that, then put that on several more females. I honestly do not have experience breeding with auto flowers. The selection process there would baffle me. How do I know that that is a breeding male if I haven't flowered it out and finished it and see what it looks like? So, uh, and you can't cut a clone and repeat the process. So you're going to have to pick one that looks real good reverse it uh, right before flower, right before it starts to flower. Once again, I don't mess with auto flowers. So I recommend spraying the plant for the first reversal uh, about 10 days, seven to 10 days before you put it into flower. So you're going to have to time that, spray it. Then once it goes into flower, you got to spray it every three days for about 21 to 24 days. You've got to time that to where the females are ready for pollen at the right time. This could be a whole new set of challenges that I don't even know how to adjust for because I'm not familiar with auto flowers. I wish you the best of luck. Uh, I do look forward to seeing uh, your breeding project. If you do make seeds, if you do this, send me an update. Let me know how this goes because I would love to know how my guidance helped you. And also maybe my guidance slowed you down. Let me know what I did wrong for you. All right, let me make sure I answered. Assuming I'm able, I'm read, able to readily reverse them, are there significant downsides? No, I do not find any downsides. I think this is a great project. I think you're on to the right start. And I'm very excited for you to be making your own feminized auto flower seeds. I look forward to it. All right, my friend Daniel, you of course did win a free pack of seeds because I read your message here on the Grow From Your Heart podcast. Please do send me your address so that I can get your seeds to you. Ladies and gentlemen, if I did not read your uh, your message, your question here on this episode, do not be afraid. Have no fear. Uh, there are plenty more episodes coming and I've got a lot more emails stacked up here in front of me. 
please continue to send me the emails because I like building listener generated content. And I absolutely like giving you guys free seeds for helping build the podcast. So go to the grow help tab on iregenetics.com. Find the little tab that says help or questions. I don't remember what it says right now. It says questions. Click on the one that says questions. It's obvious from there. Send me your grow question. If I read your grow question here on this podcast, I will send you a free pack of seeds brought to you by seedsherenow.com. All right. I think that is all I've got for you for this episode. Um, You know, I'll be back in another week with fresh new content. If you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, please send me an email. The email address is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Let me know what you think of the show. If you've got hate mail, if you've got words of encouragement, go on, send it to me. I'd love to read it. Also, make sure you check out the Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. Everything else you could possibly need is on my website, iregenetics.com. There's a link to the Discord, a link to the Patreon. There's a link to iRedirect to get brand new seeds. By the way, there's a fresh drop, a restock, and a price drop on iRedirect. Go there before those are gone. The Patreon members did get the first heads up. That's all I've got for you. I'll be back in another week with fresh new content. Thank you again for listening. I want to give a giant shout out to my good friends at Lollipop Farms. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me. We'll